Make us a favorite button on your browser. If you click it, you'll go to that page. TalkZone.com, your first choice for talk on the Internet. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. We've all heard the advice to do unto others, and just about all religious teachings and even the Boy Scouts encourage the doing of good deeds. There's a sense that doing good for others can be good for us, too. But now, some research shows a definite effect. To explain, let's welcome Stephen Post, Ph.D., to the show. Stephen, how are you? Very well, Chris. How are you? Terrific. Stephen, you're director of the new Center for Medical Humanities, Compassionate Care, and Bioethics at Stony Brook University in New York. And you've co-written a new book titled, Why Good Things Happen to Good People. Before we get into your research findings, I understand you had some experiences, even as a child, that gave you the feeling there's a connection between doing good and feeling good. I wonder if you could share that with us. Well, Chris, I had a wonderful mother, and when I would have a boring, slightly blue day as a seven, eight, or nine-year-old, she would always tell me, Stevie, why don't you go out and do something for someone? (laughs) And it was the for someone that mattered. And I was convinced early on that there is a kind of buoyancy and a benefit to ourselves when we do small things, everyday things, to help the people around us. Well, now you head up the Institute for Research on Unlimited Love. You've done a lot of studies on this same topic, and I wondered if you could just tell us what you found. Gosh, the findings have been really amazing. Just to give you one particular research project, researchers went back to a study that began in San Francisco in about 1928 at Berkeley University, where roughly 200 kids, were recruited. They might have been 13, 14, 15 years of age. Well, they would be followed every 10 years of their life into old age. They'd be given psychological tests, questionnaires, their medical records would be assessed. It turns out that roughly that one-third of these kids who identified a giving purpose, a noble purpose in life, I want to use my talents to help others to do something for the world, They were shielded from depression, from stress-induced illnesses, particularly cardiovascular illnesses. They were happier over the course of their lives. They tended to assume more leadership roles. And finally, now that they're in their 90s, those ones who had that nobility of purpose are much more richly represented among the people who are actually still alive Hmm. when compared with those who had none of that kind of aspiration. So you can say that that desire to give and contribute to others as a statistical probability provides a kind of protective halo your whole life long. Is there any medical finding that you think ties into this? Oh, absolutely. We now have well-documented studies on the brain, for example. If you take everyday folks off the street like you and me, Chris, put you in a laboratory, hook up a little bonnet to your head that picks up brain activity, you put a menu of charities in front of you to which you might consider contributing. Again, you're not actually contributing, but you're just thinking about the idea. And when you check a box next to a charity that interests you, a part of the brain lights up 
it's not the external part of the brain that does all your heavy thinking, but it's the more deeply evolved emotional part of the brain. It's that part of the brain that's associated with feelings of joy and that doles out neurotransmitters like dopamine and even serotonin, the very things that we're using to treat depression. And so there it is. There's a lot of science showing that we have this experience called a helper's high. When people just spend a few hours of volunteering in a soup kitchen or helping the homeless, about 60% of them report a kind of euphoria. We now know that's associated with a brain chemical called the endorphin, which is sort of a natural bodily opiate type chemical. About 40% of people feel warmer and calmer. Even 13%, Chris, they say that they feel a freedom from aches and pains. Not that people should be insincere. It's not that your direct intention is this kind of feeling, but rather as a byproduct of genuine caring for others, so long as we're not overwhelmed, and that's a big caveat, mm -hmm. in general, we feel healthier, we feel happier, and odds are we'll live a little longer. Our guest is Stephen Post, Ph.D., who is the co-author of Why Good Things Happen to Good People. Your book says there are ten ways to give of yourself if somebody wants to start to catch some of this good stuff. Could you tell us about those ways? And you say they're in four areas of your life. We're talking about generosity, about giving, about sincere contributions to the people around us. And there are lots of ways that we do that. Some of us are very gifted listeners. So there's a beautiful story about a guy in a rehab hospital, Dan Gottlieb. He's a psychologist. He's got a spinal cord injury. He's paralyzed for life. He's asking himself, how can I kill myself? Mm. A night nurse comes along. She says, Dr. Gottlieb, I just want to ask you, I'm really struggling. Does everybody at some time think about throwing in the towel? She had no idea that that's what Dan was wow. thinking about. <laughs> But he sat her down and he listened attentively and he really heard her and made her feel valued. She walked away feeling much better, but he also had that eureka moment where he said, you know, I can live as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair because I can contribute to people's lives through being a good listener. Other people, you know, they use humor beautifully. For some people, you know, forgiveness is really key. For others, it's compassion, just that sense of wanting to reach out and help people who are in difficult situations and for others believe it or not you know it's celebration i know people who are really gifted at taking the time to reach out and celebrate the lives of the people around them so there's so many ways of giving and no one shoe fits all we got to have confidence that we have wonderful unique gifts and we then in terms of how we operationalize this well we got the nearest and the dearest the people who are closest to us but we've also got the neighbor, the people at work, the people at school, the neediest people who we may, in fact, not know at all, but who really call to our sympathies. So just don't worry about payoffs. Don't worry about business deals. Don't worry about keeping score. Just help other people be good, be kind, and play it forward. Just hope that they, in fact, are inspired by what you do to help others. And you will live a much happier life. You may be surprised by the amount of joy that you will experience and that you never anticipated. Great words. Stephen Post, Ph.D., co-author of Why Good Things Happen to Good People. Stephen, you have a website, right? I do. It's whygoodthingshappen.com. Stephen Post, Ph.D., thanks so much for joining us on InfoTrack. 
It's a pleasure. I wish you all well. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks.